MFs, episode 61, Hustle Like You Broke. I'm in a mood today. Just wait till I get started. We are recording late February to be aired on March 2. Vaccine rollout is limping along. We are seeing some signs of life. As our listeners know, I always scour the headlines in anticipation of each episode. Looking through Polestar this morning, industry leader on touring, not really seeing any tours announced yet. Nothing substantial in 2021, but there are a number of articles highlighting situations past, calling attention to improvements needed in the future. There's a lot of talk about procedure relating to concert safety and security. And there is a general sense of hope that the industry is coming back, all of which makes us here at Hustle Like You Broke feel great about the quality of discourse around the industry, the improvements on the horizon, and the likelihood that we will be back to work before long. I know that makes Kyle Hamilton happy because he's been predicting that we'd be back to work going back to October, anticipated Coachella 2020 that never happened. Am I right, Mr. Motherfucker? It was post-Cella, so we might have Cella sometime this year. It's going to come back. You see, I mean, every again, last night my Lakers got that ass whooped by Utah. The arena was full of people. So, I mean, it's coming back slowly but surely. My, uh, again, like I said last week, the Chargers wore my credit card out, which means they're going to be in the stadium this year. So we're going to rock out. We just got a little pause. Johnson & Johnson just put out their one single-hit vaccine. So, you know, the tweaks are happening. But we'll be working in this summer. I'm, I'm hoping that you're right. And, and I was thinking again about the quote from Rob Light, head of music at CAA, we mentioned this a couple weeks ago. He was on a Polestar Live panel, and he basically said artists that are nimble, that are capable of announcing a tour and hitting the road six weeks later, artists that are willing to roll out a modest production package, they don't require months of fabrication and rehearsals, etc. they may very well be out there by late summer, early fall. And I'm I'm starting to come around to that possibility. I know there will be shows. I've said late fall is my feeling. October, November. I'm telling you, it's going to be the summer. People going out there. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I will say another headline I saw. Now, this one made me a chuckle a little bit. But the Olympics in Tokyo are happening. At least so far. Now, the headline today in The Guardian... And this is to be filed under only in Asia. It said, no cheering. Tokyo Olympics fans asked to stick to clapping during the torch rally. Well, they do that shit anyway at concerts. They don't stand up and do a goddamn thing. Golf claps, right? Golf claps. No no screaming, no cheering, no, you know, I mean, the thing with festivals, with concerts all along has been, it's not just the proximity, it's the singing along, it's the shouting, it's the, you know, the particles, the particulates in the air. But in Tokyo, mouths shut, golf claps only, boom, Olympics. 
And they've been rocking masks. They've been rocking masks since the beginning of time. And I mean, give it up to 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 Asian cultures that have, that have been mindful of health, wellness, and vaccine not vaccines, but uh, viruses for for years and years. And it didn't stop that right. shit out there either. It didn't what stop it is? Out, it didn't stop it out there either. So, hey, all you gotta do is keep that ass clean. You'll be okay. Wipe shit down. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> Brother Hamilton's in a mood today, too. What do you got, Sister Dallas? What do you say? I mean, leaning on that sports thing, I just heard the Marlins, which is the Miami Marlins baseball team, are advertising some sort of ticketing and that there'll be no health screening upon arrival, which is terrifying, if you ask me. But that's the catch. No health screening on arrival. I mean, they're actually using that as a reason to get people into the park. That's Fucking what they Florida. said on the news this Only morning. in Miami. <laughs> Come to the come see the Marlins play. We promise we won't screen you. No health checks. No masks required. Right, but then the Knicks did something, didn't the? Um, yeah, the the Brooklyn Nets do something yesterday with uh, their fans. They did some sort of, I don't know, interactive thing on the arena floor, and they had like pods set up where people could hang and whatever. I don't know. It's a weird world. We're almost a year into this mess, and. Um, you know, we're looking for that light at the end of the tunnel. Anything that will get us moving forward would be amazing. Like I well, said, the first concert of 2021 had about 40,000 people there. They tried to lie and say only about 25,000 people there. But it had a gang of people there. And at the end of the day, you haven't heard anything about any residual super spreading or anything else. We're And of course, we, Kyle we is still talking fine. about the Super Bowl for anybody you who doesn't damn know. damn right. Concert number one of 2021. We had 400,000 people in the arena, in the stadium, packed. And they said not, nothing about any kind of super spreading event. And a lot of people weren't wearing any parts of a mask. They just had out there acting a fool. All right. Well, since Kyle decided to dovetail this conversation into his super Trumper mode, I'm, I'm just going to point out. I'm not no goddamn Trumper. Why do you always I'm say that? I'm just going to point out my last headline for the day. Came from CNN, which read Trump plots future and revenge. And if that isn't everything that is fucking wrong with this country, I don't know what is. When did we become fucking Russia? I'm not sure. I'm just going to leave that alone. As Kyle just said, I'm going to say pray for Tiger Woods. And with that, we're just going to move on. We've been on a roll here at Hustle Like You Broke for the last several weeks. We've had some amazing guests. The last two weeks, we've actually focused our attention on people who work in and around higher education with Alf Osterley from the Music Business Program at Syracuse University with Adam and Dave from Concert Ideas last week. This week, we are transitioning into the world of nonprofits. So... Very excited for today's guest. I am going to butcher her name because dumb American that I am, I just, I'm going to fuck this up. But Kimberly Urtarte, I hope I got that fairly close. She gave me a look like, eh, you asshole, you're close. Um, I can accept that. Kimberly and I met a few weeks ago. We both worked together on a couple of projects uh, with the Showmakers crew, that's Digby. That's Jen Kellogg. That's 5-1, who's going to be coming up on the program one day soon, etc. 
Kimberly is extremely impressive. She was born into a musical family herself. I'm going to read her bio because it kind of covers the bases at short and sweet. Not even going to paraphrase. It says over the past decade, Kimberly has worked with artists, corporations, individuals, and nonprofit organizations to design and implement sustainable campaigns, generating meaningful impact on a global scale. She currently serves as the executive director of Incubus Make Yourself Foundation and as a global as an advisor at Global Impact. Kimberly began touring with Lincoln Park in 2015 as part of their foundation's fan engagement initiative, which gave way to an unexpected but exciting new career as tour manager soon after. Her passion for logistics, problem solving, and relationship building has led to rewarding opportunities. Working for artists like Incubus, Megan Trainer, and Lizzo. Kimberly, welcome to the program. Thank you for being with us today. Did I butcher your name real bad or was that a, a, a decent attempt? It was it was a decent attempt. I've heard a lot worse. I, I can live with that. Will, will you say it for us, please? Urtarte. That's, that's beautiful. One more time. <laughs> Urtarte. Hurt, hurt like pain, art like a drawing, E at the end. Kyle, now you. I'm good. I know my lane. <laughs> Dallas, come on. Make me look good. Where are they? Yes! She made me look good. <laughs> I'm here for you, Matt. I'm trying. You and butchered that real good. Thank you very much, I just Dallas. To help you out, buddy. I appreciate that. Dallas, you live in Miami. You See. should be able to speak, to use ethnic names much better than I. Sure. No. I mean, yeah. you know, when I get to know Kim better, I will say her last name better. I, I feel like my parents set people up to fail. They were like, let's give her the whitest name ever and then go, like, Kimberly, urtarte. Like, what? It doesn't even Don't go Don't worry, together. a friend of mine, a <laughs> Korean friend of mine, her parents named her Jackie O. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. yeah. Parents. Mm-hmm. Way to go. <laughs> well, Kimberly... Again, we've known each other for a couple of weeks now, but I mean, give us a little more on the backstory, just so we know, just so our listeners can hear, um, you know, where should we start? I'd like to dive in with the nonprofits, but but what have I missed in, in that short and sweet bio that you put together for us? I don't remember writing that, and I was listening to you going, really? Um, yeah. It's all been an accident. I, I'm very accident prone, and sometimes it works out in my favor. Um, I, you know, sort of just kind of play things by ear and by feel. I love music, and that's sort of the way that I've, I've lived my life. Like how something feels, how something grooves is the direction I decide to go to, even though I'm a very rational, like logistics driven person. Ultimately, it's like, how does that feel at your core? And I, I trust that, and I move forward with that. So. Um, a lot of the decisions I've made have led me there because I was like, that feels good. Let's go there. Okay. So as I understand it, your kind of philanthropic career actually began in the Peace Corps. Is that right? Yeah. Um, I was in undergrad and uh, I was walking around, limping around, I should say. I had just fractured my spine <laughs> and I had been a synchronized swimmer for my entire life, which was a very odd lifestyle but my parents were like it's beautiful like and I loved music it was like this combination of 
athletic side and, you know, eating disorders. And then also music. Like I loved choreographing and writing to, to things in the water. It felt good. I'm terrible on land. I can't run. I can't bike. I'm horrible. But in the water, that's like my jam. And being able to combine my love for music was like, that's what became my thing. And I started working as a stunt double to pay for college. And in that process, I got very injured. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm just kind of sitting there going, well, what's next? Like, I'm not going to be a professional synchronized swimmer, which also what kind of career is that? Is that a thing? Is that actually a that's thing? A, that's a thing. I mean, you don't make money, really. Like, eventually, you have to become a coach, and that's that. Um, but I, I just love the music aspect. I'm not going to lie. Even though I was good, I lost all the damn time because I, I refused to use the same bullshit, boring music that all these blonde white girls that I was competing against used. And I'd use mariachi music. I'd, I'd use salsa and mop, like all these different things. And I'd look up at the judges as they're scoring you. And they're just like, mm, no, you don't belong here. And I was like, that's okay. You can keep giving me fours all day. I'm going to, I'm going to do the things that like I love and the music that I love and choreograph to this stuff. And now they're doing it. Beyonce just had synchronized swimmers in a music video. But before that, like it was so taboo. And like, I had two black teammates and like everybody else was white and it's anything you brought in some Michael Jackson and they're just like, the judges were like, mm, no, 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 you don't belong here. Um, so anyways, all that led to like, that was my everyday. I went to school and I swam. I went to school and I swam, had to turn that into money, ended up becoming a stunt double because what I did was I was the flyer that they throw up in the air. Mm -hmm. And through that I trained diving. And so through diving, I just happened to be practicing one day and they were auditioning for some, uh, commercial. And the guy watched me on another board and he was like, Hey, would you be interested? Like right place, right time got the gig, which led to a bunch of other gigs. And then one day I got hurt and I was sitting there going, what now? Like my life has revolved around swimming and school and now what? And I happened to be on my crutches going through campus and I saw the Peace Corps tent and I looked into it and they're like, oh, you have to finish undergrad to be accepted and all these other things. Um, and the idea of getting to leave and go do something different was really appealing um, the fact that you go to this sort of what now has been terribly referred to as shithole countries. Thank you, Trump, you piece of trash. Um, you know, the opportunity to, to go out there and not, not implement a bunch of projects, but actually learn from other cultures and, you know, just widen your view and your ability to see things because even through language learning, you amplify your ability to understand people and relationships. So it just, it really appealed to me. And so I ended up joining the Peace Corps. I loved it. Best health insurance I ever had. I jumped off of everything. I obviously don't learn my lesson. Um, and I had a great time. And that sort of, you know, it pivoted me into a different direction. I was like, oh, I can use this, this insight I have into living in a very rural community, which I did when I was a kid, you know, not having running water or electricity that was reliable and knowing what that's like and translating that to something productive, but also culturally appropriate. Cause the idea of going to other countries and being like, this is the way you should do things didn't resonate with me. Um, so Peace Corps is really good about you go there and they don't give you a project. They go talk to the people and find out what they want, what they actually want from you and the skill set that you have versus just implementing. So great experience. And it led to an awesome career, which I've, I've really enjoyed now in, in the philanthropy space. Okay. Now, 
First of all, I'm only disappointed you mentioned the synchronized swimming so early because I was going to drop it into the middle and blow Dallas's mind because, of course, <laughs> Dallas is actually a swim coach herself. We refer to her as Venetian Aquatic Club because she apparently is like the head honcho at this super fancy Venetian Aquatic Club in the Miami area. And uh, she doesn't like talking about it either because, you know... I, I don't even know why she for a while there, her screen name was Venetian Aquatic Club. She thought they might sue her or something <laughs> because of the flagrant nature of some of our discourse. Uh, but you, you two obviously have that in common. Um, I'm going to come back to the synchronized swimming. So you go to these shithole countries, your words, Trump's words, of course, but your words. Ugh, yeah. I mean, what shithole countries did you go to, if we may ask? And, and what is it that you did? that actually led you to coming back to the U.S. and getting more involved in nonprofits and then ultimately working those nonprofits into the music space? Uh, so for the record, I do not think there should hold countries. Definitely Trump's words. Uh, I should not give him more airtime. That's the last time I will mention him. Uh, so we my, call my... him dear leader or, you know, asshole or no, things like that. No, you call him dear leader. I don't yes, call I, him Yes, that is true. Let's well, get I it mean... right. Let's get it right. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, my, so my, I, I traveled around on my own, but my Peace Corps assignment was actually ended up, long story short, being Costa Rica, which sounds hysterical because people go there on vacation. And that's like, even within the Peace Corps community, it was like, oh, you got what assignment? Like, that's Posh Corps. Um, but interestingly enough, like, you know, if, if you don't make the Peace Corps experience about you, what, like when, um, originally my, my, my other assignments and stuff like that were a lot more difficult when it came to you surviving, like you have to worry about having enough food. You have to worry about you so much that you don't even get to work. And to me, even though they considered it posh core to be in Costa Rica, it's like, look, I know that I'm going to have food. And yeah, the electricity isn't reliable and my water might get shut off and things like that. But ultimately, like my focus wasn't me surviving, it was learning. And so that was a, a really great opportunity. So my main assignment was Costa Rica. Um, I was in a really rural area uh, known as Cocorí. It's um, about three hours outside of San Jose, really close to really beautiful beaches, but not at the beautiful beaches. And the town that we lived in was within that region of Costa Rica was known as like dumpster town because they burn their trash still in Costa Rica, oddly enough, even though they're a very green country, um, their systems aren't quite there when it comes to uh, trash. But uh, so our, our community was actually where the, all the dumpsters would come landfill it up. Uh, so yeah, it was it was a really a really interesting place to live, and not the place that you vacation. So people think Costa Rica, they think Manuel Antonio and these these gorgeous waters and monkeys and this and that. I did not live in that, um, <laughs> but but the people were. I've never met a more generous community than than in my town, um, and. Yeah, I, I had a lot of opportunities to just learn from people. They they would ask me questions and articulate what it is that their community needed, which for me, my focus ended up being uh, addressing domestic violence uh, because unfortunately, a lot of Hispanic cultures are still very machista and 
There is a crazy amount of domestic violence reports, which makes you think that's only the ones that actually get reported. So what we did was we created an underground system where we pretended like women were learning how to cook new things and like all these things that were culturally acceptable. But really, we were helping them become financially independent. So should you choose to leave, you now have the resources and tools. And you tell your husband, you're going to cooking class. But in reality, we're teaching you, you know, how to how to balance your checkbook, how to open an account, all those sort of life skills that have historically been like the man's job. And now if you decide to leave, you have some resources. And we also had volunteer therapists that would come in. So my main focus was domestic violence. Um, the secondary focus was health because I love my brown people, but we love our sugar and our salt and our diabetes is through the roof. And it's unfortunate that the information isn't culturally sensitive to, you know, diets and all that thing. We, we have this cookie cutter approach of being like, don't eat this and don't eat that. And I'm like, but what about the culture? What about the piece that resonates that allows people to adjust that they will have a sustainable health change without having to give up everything that they love? Um, so that that was sort of Peace Corps in a nutshell and a uh, great experience. So how does that transition to the concert industry back in the U.S.? We, we talk a lot about how you can do anything in the world in the concert industry. You don't think of it. You think that if you don't have a technical skill, audio like Kyle, video, lighting, whatever, that job doesn't exist for you. You should go here. You should do this. You should be corporate, whatever. But... We had Christina Rains from Headcount on before you, so you're actually the second person from the, an NPO uh, on the program. Most people simply don't think that there is, is, is a place for NPOs in the concert industry, but it's an increasingly important place. Tell us about the intersection of NPOs in the concert industry and what led you from the Peace Corps to working with a band like Linkin Park. Yeah, so when I, I came back from the Peace Corps, mainly because I missed my family uh, and started, I, I went back to school. I went to grad school with a focus on nonprofit management and public administration um, because I realized I was applying to these jobs and I just, so many people within the nonprofit industry that are successful and paid well are veterans. They've been around for 20 plus years. So I was like, how can I, you know, legitimize what I've learned? And you have to translate that onto paper, unfortunately. So I went back to school, did that whole thing to, to get that paper. And uh, for me, it was really casual. It was the fact that I had grown up around musicians. My, my grandfather had a mariachi. I grew up playing mariachi music. And so when I came to the U.S. and, and the people that I surround myself with uh, are usually in some way in, involved in music. It's just people that I gravitate towards. Somehow, you know, you end up at a bar and the conversation is about music. Then I'm more interested. Then we stay in touch or whatever it might be. And in that process, met my friend Brandon DeRoche, who's been really a, an important piece of introductions that led to the, the career that I'm in. We were just talking and he was at the time running a, a company that brought nonprofits and artists together with experiences and all that good stuff. And we were brainstorming and I told him some ideas I had. And through those conversations, he introduced me to the folks at Lincoln Park. So it was, it was really casual. There was nothing like I didn't see a job posting. I didn't know that this was even an option to sort of approach artists with these philanthropic ventures. It was through casual conversation and meeting people with similar interests that this came about. 
And he introduced me to uh, Music for Relief, which is the Lincoln Parks organization. And that's where it sort of all got started was this idea that there I could combine my love for music and also my education and experience with the philanthropic sector. And Music for Relief was Disaster Relief Organization, which was great because Disaster Relief is so reactive and fast paced. And I love that. Like, I love moving quick. I I like making it really efficient. Um, And I'm also really calm under pressure because I I, I thrive in those moments. I just really enjoy that energy, Um, probably because I move so slow. Like, it doesn't it doesn't ruffle my feathers. I don't get, you know, frustrated like most people would get under those pressure situations. So yeah, started working at Lincoln Park and and that's where it all got started and and the ideas of what was next and how you could amplify the voices of of these huge influencers to do something meaningful became more and more relevant and now it's a it's a full-time role. So two things that you just said one actually that really sticks out for me Early on in my career, I remember distinctly somebody saying, you see the guy over there who's running from front of house to stage to back and forth. And then you see the guy who also is an audio engineer who's just slowly taking his time. The guy who's moving slowly, he's the one who's getting more done. And that always stuck with me. The people who move slowly are often the ones who get the most accomplished. So I appreciate I sure that. Hope so. <laughs> now, well, okay. So your bio, which you may or may not have written as it turns out, it, it specifically references that with Lincoln Park, you were involved in a fan engagement initiative, which, which really hits home for us here. And, and I'll just speak for myself. Cause I don't want to throw my fellow podcasters under the bus when I say this. Um, but it really hits home on account of the number of artists that really fail at engaging their fans beyond the stage and beyond the superficial level. And I mean, they could be great at social media. Their promo interviews are amazing. But when it comes to actually engaging fans to do something important, they, they, they fall short. They fall short of my wish if not their own expectation. So tell us why fan engagement is is so important. So I, I think fan engagement is is important because that's what make, makes it sustainable. Like if, if you live in this silo as an artist, like, yeah, you support this cause and you put your money behind it, great. But if you don't create that collective piece to it, there's chances are, unless you're the biggest artist ever and you have so much money to spend to support this cause, you need other people to to sort of jump in and also contribute whatever it is that they can. Um, with Linkin Park, I was really fortunate that the guys were incredibly involved and interested in investing in that part of within their their ethos of so many things going on, it was a priority and it was really clear. Like when you walked into Machine Shop, which was our office, there was five offices, so not a lot. And of those offices, one of them was dedicated to their charity. Like that was that was me, that was my my teammate. And they were very involved and they knew everything that was going on. And so they were in a unique position where 
they could speak really eloquently about what we were doing and why it matters and getting other people on board so that they could take it to the next level. Because I, I mean, we all know that the artists that we work with have such a huge reach and the moment they stand behind something and if they do it really informed, they, they, they just blow it out of the water. Um, so, you know, you could do a one-off where you're like, oh, for a chance to meet me, or you can give them bits and pieces where it gets people truly invested in what it is that the impact or change that you're trying to strive for. Um, so Lincoln Park was a great experience in that where they were involved, they knew what we were talking about, they had ideas of their own, and, and it was a very, you know, noted part of their day that this is something that they participate in actively. Um, so yeah, the, the fan piece is, is key to taking it to the next level because, you know, that's just a couple guys versus, you know, thousands or millions of people that listen to what they have to say. So. I love that answer. And so out of Lincoln Park, you start working with Incubus. And, and as you've explained to me offline, um, while your core gig is working for their Make Yourself Foundation, you are more involved with their general daily ongoings. You get involved in some respect on the artist management side. You are involved in other parts of the artist's professional work and lives. So I assume that they then are also a band that is very passionate about their philanthropy and what have you. Yeah, I was I was really fortunate that they trust me so much and have allowed me to reshape their organization. And for me, when I came in, it was an opportunity to to sort of bring them back into the fold. Before they were giving, you know, they were writing checks and giving to to charities, and I wanted them to be excited about the work. So we took a look at the strategy again. And we, you know, had very candid conversations where I'm like, look, you can't solve all the world's problems. Let's find focus. And what do you actually care about that if I ask you to do an interview, you actually want to do that interview and you're not going to go, what am I supposed to say? Not supposed to say, what do you want to say? And what do you want to talk about? So when we went to the drawing board, they, they identified food insecurity as one of the areas that they were most interested in. They were like, you know, in a country with so much wealth, how is it that we have food deserts? How is it that some kids are starving and come summer when school is over, they don't have enough food? Like that shouldn't be a thing in this, you know, supposed great country that we have. Why are people going hungry? Um, and how that sort of, you know, factors into their ability to focus when they are studying or reading or whatever they might be doing to try to break a certain cycle, you, you have to have food. It's, it's 101. And so for them, it was, it was something that resonated with them. All five guys could get behind it and felt comfortable dedicating not only their, their time and energy, but also public facing to their fans. So we did that with their tour, made it a, a very you know visible part of their tour throughout for, um, it was for the Make Yourself album uh, anniversary. We basically partnered with local food banks and schools, et cetera, and also on a national level to give back to each community that we had a tour stop at. So if you are a fan and you're super excited and you want to go to the LA show and you maybe don't have the funds for that LA show, you could be the top fundraiser and raise the most for LA food banks and get to meet the band and have that whole VIP experience. So it was a way to sort of weave in all the pieces and create really uh, digestible content for folks to understand that, you know, even though you might have a secured meal for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, there are people that don't within our own country. Um, so it was just an, an opportunity to take focus for the band 
and create a very forward public facing campaign that got their fans on board. That sounds really excellent. It sounds authentic, which I think is part of what makes it, uh, you know, something that they can embrace and something that, you know, takes on this greater life as you're taking on the road. And, and I'm curious, the name Make Yourself Foundation, where, where does that derive? That's from an album. It's from one of the, their albums. And it's just sort of resonated with this idea of like, do something, put something together, you know, it, it's, you know, but about taking action without necessarily directly saying that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's ripped off of an album. Okay. Apparently I should listen to more Incubus, but uh, I appreciate <laughs> that. Caught me, but definitely impressed and appreciate uh, what you and they are doing. So shifting gears back to just a more general question, what are some of the common misconceptions of nonprofit organizations? Oh man, this is why I asked if I could curse. Um, Bring it on. So no, man, Uh, you know, when I, when I was in grad school, we, we do that whole introduce yourself, go around the room and why are you here? Nonsense. And um, we're standing there and everybody's like, I'm going to create my own charity. I'm going to create my own charity. And, and I, I was like, I don't want to create my own charity. I want people to cor- collaborate. But I also think that the the nonprofit model is a bit outdated. We assume that philanthropy, and we, we've created this society-wise, you know, we, we've created this sort of bubble that charity lives in where we're like, oh, that, you know, it's charity, so it's easy. Anyone can do it. And um, so, yeah, so nonprofits in general, in, in my opinion, are a little backwards, they're outdated. And so for, for me, it's actually a really frustrating point to talk about because I think that especially during the pandemic, everyone and their mother decided they could start their own charity. And it, that's not the reality. And also you're diluting the impact because now you're competing over resources. So if you could get over yourself, like the shit's not about you. And if you really care about the cause, you'll reach out to people who are doing something and you have a, a good idea to maybe take take them to the next level. Like do that. Don't make that shit about you. And and if it is about you, fine. But like, I, I don't have time for that, nor do I want to be a part of it. Um, so, so for me, you know, charity, I, I, even the word itself, like there's there's a lot of criticism of like how much of my dollar goes to the cause and people have such a misconception of what that means it's like yeah a hundred percent of that dollar could go to the cause but that means the people who are getting paid in in hugs and butterflies aren't good at their job because someone worth you know paying a decent salary is is gonna you know require a piece of your dollar they are a part of that cause so there's all these misconceptions of like, if my dollar doesn't go directly into doing this, then like, I don't support it. And I'm like, kiss my ass. You obviously don't know what you're talking about. Because if you want to keep people who know how to run a business, you know, manage finances really well and not misuse funds, those people are going to cost you money. You know, you're happy to spend all sorts of money and for the salary of a CEO for like a gaming company to be huge. Why not someone who works in charity and actually drives change? They're worth your dollar. Because that that salary that they get probably adds like it, it makes sense. It aligns with what abilities they bring to the table. Um, so there's there's a lot of misconceptions. The the the, the dollar question because you get that all day. Um, 
this this idea that that charities are going to solve problems. I'm sorry, but I, I don't think that's going to be the, the move. I think it's sensible business practices. I think it's people being considerate and authentically so. Like I've seen a lot of um, companies that now are like, look at our new CEO. She's a female or she's black and like, oh, I stuff. And I'm like, all right, but be about it. Don't just like put a picture up there and make sure that, you know, if you are a business who really cares, you're going to do impact studies to see how your company has a footprint. You're going to do all sorts of extra work that shows you care. And those businesses are what drive the world. That's what runs the world, not charities. So where you spend your dollar matters more on like a, in a corporate sense than in a charity. Like, I think there's still a place for charity because they have a level of insight to what's going on in the, in the world. They have the pulse on things that need to be addressed, but the people that can really generate change is mindful businesses, people who hold themselves responsible and aren't just pretending that because they hired a female to be their CEO, now they're all great and they're contributing to the world. Um, so I think if we hold businesses accountable, that's more productive than, you know, going to a charity and going, hey, with that, you know, $5 an hour salary and plus rainbows and hugs, like you can make everything happen, right? It's like, no, like, you know, we want you to have a, a master's degree and all these different things, but we're going to pay you 30 grand a year. Who are you going to keep for that? You got to pay people. <laughs> You just hit on Kyle's you number on these, one issue. You I, with these Easter seal funds, you be trying to pay people, you know, give back to United Way. Come on, man, you got to pay us. I mean, MF, next time bonus. I hire you, if I if I hit you up and I'm like, yo, there isn't a lot of money, but I can definitely hook you up with some hugs and butterflies. And I, say, I mean, you're in, right? A, I don't have a lot of time. There isn't a lot of money, so I don't have a lot of time. Nope. It doesn't pay the bills. Nope. Come on, time. Dallas. Hugs Dallas, don't pay you shit. working hard for hugs and butterflies? Am I wrong? I know. I take it in the teeth all the time with those hugs and butterflies, and it's not the the answer. I mean, you know. I, it, that's I'm how the Venetian Aquatic Club people. plays, isn't it? Sorry? I said yeah. that's how the Venetian Aquatic Club pays, right? <laughs> Something like that. But it, that's a different, you know, I get Anytime the word Venetian <laughs> is in anything, it's expensive. Yeah, right? All right? That's the first thing I thought. I was like, ooh, what's that membership like? <laughs> what, what, yeah. did, what did you say, Kyle? Say it again. Said, anything that began with the word Venetian is expensive. There's right. nothing cheap about that. Not in this case. It was just a yeah. shout out. We teach we, we teach excellent swimming lessons to children and adults, and we do it for virtually nothing. But so do let you me teach tell you, synchronized swimming? No, because unfortunately, there's not exactly a big fan base for synchronized swimming, and you have to kind of know how to swim to start. So let's go with the swimming first. <laughs> let's get them in the water. Let's provide oh, safety, man. and then we'll go from there. I'm I'm sorry, but I think to Kyle's point, any place called Venetian Aquatic Club should definitely have a synchronized swimming program. They Kimberly, used to back me many up. years Come ago. On. Many, really many years ago. That. I wasn't even questioning it. That and yeah. water polo. Oh, okay. that we, have some, we have some ex-synchronized swimmers that teach. How does that work? <laughs> does that work for you? <laughs> I, I, I still have so many questions about synchronized swimming, I, I, but I, I don't want to derail this conversation too you far. You know, the music is real quickly. loud under the water, though. It hits hard. It hits oh, hard. yeah. yeah it's, 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 it's knocked like a concert. It's official. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite part, actually, because then you don't have to deal with the people up above. It's just you and the music. It's like, can't hear anybody else. <laughs> okay, I got to ask, but then we're going to go back. So the way you've described your synchronized swimming experience Kimberly, I get the impression that you are 
doing solo synchronized swimming, but of course that wouldn't be synchronized, or is it? Are you synchronized with other people? You're, you're just synchronized the with the music, Matt. When you're Come solo, on, you're synchronized Matt. with the God, music. Um, you're too smart I, to be broke. I, for one, am not a trained, qualified, synchronized swimmer. I probably couldn't even get hired as a lifeguard, although I can swim, but... I, I mean, I just always assumed when I see synchronized swimming at the Olympics, it's teams of people and not solo. So as you're describing the mariachi music that you're dancing, uh, swimming, synchronized, whatever. And then, there, you know, you talk about the, the white girls who are looking at you like whatever. I, I'm thinking to myself, but aren't you swimming side by side to the same song? But I'm wrong. So, so there is solos in the Olympics. Um, yeah, so it's, there, there's trios, there's duets, also, all sorts of stuff. Um, I, I did all, all the combinations of two, one, three. That sounds wrong. Um, but no uh, <laughs> but uh, I, for me, I, this is something I, I had to get a little bit better at, and I, I'm still not great at it. Um, I, I'm very much a loner, and I, I live in that space, and I like that space. I like relying on me. And... So solo was was where I, I like to be, uh, but I definitely competed like with the team of eight, ten, and three and two, et cetera. Yeah, synchronized to the music. I, I'm learning something new here. I hope our listeners are too, or maybe I'm just the only ignorant motherfucker who had no idea it was <laughs> about synchronization with, with the music and not be other sync. people. Anyway, <laughs> Dallas, are are you a trained synchronized swimmer? I'm not a trained synchronized swimmer, but I do have some synchronized swimming background, but I'm not really? at the level that Kimberly is. Yeah, you just can't. If you're a water baby, you, you know, it's part of the story. I mean, if you really love the stuff and you do the stuff that I do, you can't help but be a little bit of a synchronized swimmer because there's a lot of amazing stuff that happens with your body and the breathing and what you have to do to articulate it all. It's not easy. You know, and even at my age now, it's like you're, really you're making me so nostalgic. I, I miss the pool. That's like a, a pandemic thing that they're like, what do you miss? I live. I miss like a good lap pool, not no hotel pool. Like I want, you know, 50 yards. I, I want to be able to just stretch it out. I, I swam in college, too. Like I, I, I love like the water is my place and I, I miss it when you're talking about it right now. I'm like, <laughs> I miss it. I miss it. OK, OK. So so let's stick with that. Are there any lessons from synchronized swimming that prepared you for life on the road? Teamwork makes the dream work. <laughs> She's not a team player. We already established that. I'm not. I'm the person who will snap at you that will you'll ask for like a schedule. I'm like, there's a day sheet. <laughs> that's Dallas too. Um, Maybe that's a swimming thing. <laughs> um, it, it definitely just like, taught it's me. obvious. <laughs> It definitely taught me a, a lot of discipline because like it was it was no joke. Like it, it sounds all fun and games, but like it was it was really difficult. It takes a lot of hard work. It, it takes a lot of sleepless days and long days, which so that was in preparation for TM gig. Um, but more than anything, I think it's the, the discipline, your ability to, to schedule, sort of think ahead, hold your breath for way too long. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm trying to think of anything else, uh, how to go long periods of time without eating. Uh, um, <laughs> always carry, always carry like almonds in your back pocket, just in case. Can't pee in the pool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can't pee in the pool. Um, 
Yeah, I don't, see, I don't that's know. That's how that Rona shit started. Pissing mean? in the pool, see? <laughs> Washing your hands and pissing in pools. Corona all day. Night. <laughs> Corona. Not to do. Not to do. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Okay. We can we can move on. We can move on. So, going back to what we were talking about before, where you were saying for a lot of people, don't start a charity. You know, fix your business. I, oh wait, I, I wait, wait. I'm gonna cut you off. I know the no, number please. one thing I learned. I know the number one thing I learned. Please, Make it please. look easy because as TM, like you can never oh. show the artist that any you know shits hit the fan. So that ability, cause like, you can't see me right now, but it's like you smile through everything synchronized swimming. Like you're like, I'm about to collapse. I'm so tired da, da, da. and you're still smiling and you're look pretty, look pretty, all that bullshit. And you're dying on the inside. Um, so as a TM, the ability to just go, everything's fine. Definitely translated. I like that answer. <laughs> I like that answer. That's good. That's real good. And then Matt say, why am I paying you so much? You're not doing shit. <laughs> No comment. See, see, the key is you don't you don't do the dishes all the time. You have to make sure someone sees you do the dishes. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, "Why are you trying to look busy all of a sudden?" He has an answer. He has a question for answer for everything. He out of control. And, and if I don't, Kyle, be sure to point it out to me. Don't you worry about that. Okay, okay. Back on track. So you were talking about people starting charities and. Maybe a better approach for a lot of them would be, you know, get your house in order, you know, fix your own business, start there. I totally appreciate that. I think that has a lot of application to touring companies. And I don't just mean vendors. I mean, the overall touring collection of uh, cast of characters, you know, band of gypsies, whatever, whatever you want to call us. Uh, I fucking hate when people call us gypsies, carnies. I'm just saying that. Um, as a euphemism. Anyway, I think that that's a sound point because touring companies in general, you know, could become more efficient, better, do better business, et cetera, in order to improve, you know, the world, the carbon footprint they leave behind, et cetera, you know, without starting charity. However, before I get off track here, however, we also are talking about the importance of artists using their voice to do something good, to align with the charity, if not start your own, to be vocal, advocate for positive change, what have you. So I have to believe in spite of your belief that people shouldn't just get out there and start charities, that you do believe in the importance of artists using their platform, advocating for something, and in many cases, starting their own foundation. A hundred percent. I do advocate for that. And I think that, you know, I, I've never been a big fan of anything. You know, I, I look at lines and stuff like that. I'm like, I'd never wait in line. Like, I, it's, it's not really my thing. Working with artists, I, I, I've never, like, I understand how fans get super excited, but I don't have that in me. And so for me, the ability to get in front of them for the potential to collaborate on something philanthropic is because I understand the impact. Like they it's so significant. They have a huge voice and they don't necessarily have to identify with a cause, but they could decide, you know, uh, the businesses that you do align yourself with the sponsorships that you agree to are conscious companies. Like you don't need to be Mr. Philanthropic that has this cause that's going to save the world. You could decide that, you know, you're going to work with, 
Adidas because they are making their products out of recycled materials to, you know, they're, they're working on the science to be able to create better and better shoes that are based on recycled model, recycling models. Um, little things like that, that you could sort of be an advocate for without directly saying, you don't, you don't need to cheer on the environment all day and be a completely different person. You can go, I wear Adidas. And in that implication is that, you know, Adidas is moving towards recycled products, you know, things like that. It just takes a conscious effort to align yourself with either the right charity and cause or corporations that also as an entity stand for something. Uh, And and there's a lot of options out there now. So let's stick with that then, because you you kind of anticipated my next question. What are some of the very simple things that an artist can do in order to effectively take that action, take that first step. I'd also be curious, the other end of the spectrum, what are some of the most creative things that you've seen artists doing? But let's start with simple. What are simple things that an artist can do that have a big impact? Well, the simple thing is is starting with understanding how big your reach is and, and being responsible with that reach. Like, you know, you putting on your Instagram stories, uh, an affiliation with a brand, you know, that's notoriously racist or, or something. It's like you're already doing a disservice to a whole community. So understanding that your actions have a huge consequence, whether you're supporting a cause specifically or aligning yourself with a brand that has historically been trash. You know, it's like you're, you have such a huge influence and the ability to like, you know, I I love a fried chicken sandwich, but I rarely go, you know, if I can avoid it to Chick-fil-A because, you know, it's pretty clear that they don't support and are pretty anti LGBTQ and like, you know, I rather not. So it's like, I might go there privately, but I won't go on an Instagram story or suggest that an artist be like, this is what I'm eating. Like don't promote for someone that stands for something that has a really negative impact on the world. So the easiest thing is knowing that every little piece that you do, every item on your body that you advertise without advertising blatantly has an influence. So starting with understanding that your voice has such a consequence on the rest of the world and being being mindful of that, aligning yourself, your team should be behind you on researching what it is that you associate and share with the public because your words, like people cling on to them and they 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 inform a whole generation of people that are spending their dollars in the places that you do too. So just knowing and, where you stand. And before answering part two about who's doing something wildly creative, can you tell us, can you give us one example of an artist that is doing something very simple, but having an impact. Very simple. Um, so I know uh, Zed DJ. He uh, he's he's invested in in Impossible, and you know, though you know, dietary beliefs aside or anything like that, the 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 fact is that the meat industry does have a huge environmental impact. And so by, you know, publicizing impossible foods and things like that, and his team being very mindful to create that relationship, like it's a simple thing. Like he was doing it anyways. He likes the product and it has a conscious environmental footprint behind it. So it's like no real skin off his back to publicize the right thing that he's doing and just let people know. Um, Gosh, I really hope it's impossible foods. I'm pretty sure. It's not something that I was directly involved with. It's something that I, I just observed. Um, yeah. 
Okay, I like that, and that's simple and and easily achieved. Uh, can you speak to the other end of the spectrum? Anything that's just wildly creative that you've seen, and uh, the artist that's doing that. Wildly creative. Since since uh, with the whole pandemic, everything's been a little bit quieter in terms of intentional. So my brain's kind of spazzing out on on something wildly creative. Um, I can't think of anything. I, nothing has blown my mind. I, I think that, you know, people like Jack Johnson have throughout their whole tour and everything been really mindful. Like they, they live it, breathe it, what they stand for. They've established their values and it's, you know, it's a factor in their catering. Like they make sure that, you know, it, it's so thought out throughout their entire tour, back end and front end. You know, it's it's what's visible to the public. It's what's translated to their crew. I know people who have worked for him that that love it, and they're like, I you know, I felt really appreciated. And also, there's an ethos that's consistent throughout. But in terms of recent, whew, I I don't know. Refresh my memory. Have you seen anything that's blown your mind? I I can't. I, I was putting you on the spot. I wasn't looking to be put on the spot. Um, no, I, I actually <laughs> think Jack Johnson is 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 the perfect example of somebody who kind of lives and breathes the lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he and his agent, Tom Chauncey, and his team, along with his wife and the, the people they've built around them, have really kind of created this whole lifestyle that, uh, to your point, they, they really own it. When they go to a venue and they say, you know, there's, we don't allow plastics, you know, at our shows. If the venue says, okay, well, we, you know, we sell them at concessions, but we'll make sure there's nothing backstage. They say, no, 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 no. That means we're not playing for you because yeah. when we come to see you, it's you say Jack Johnson? You, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was amazing. In 2008, we did a shed run and he insisted that in the contract, it was like every bulb had to be an LED bulb. And it was the first time anyone had done that as well with water. You know, we had big water stations and of course it was a, a learning curve, but it was still amazing. He really puts his money where his mouth is. Yeah, and, and that's the few. The the money piece. It's like you you have to be able to put your money where your mouth is, one hundred percent. And and that's why I can't really think of an example aside from him right now, top of mind that that are that even comes close to that. Um, but that just means that the space is there. Like there's an opportunity for people to to do better and, and be public about it and set the example. Um, but the more genuine you align with who you are as a person, like, you know, don't go advocating for, for being vegan as a way to, to help the environment. If you love red meat, like do you like do something that's authentic to you, um, and find a place that's, that's comfortable that you can genuinely stand behind. Um, you know, I, I love cheese. I'm not giving it up. So that's not something that I would do. But personally, like I'm, I'm very in tune with what I care about. And so that's what I translate all, well, not all day, every day, because I'm not very public on social media. But if I were an artist, that's what I would do is find something that's very specific to uh, what resonates with you as a person so that it doesn't feel like work. Well, you were right about Zed. It is Impossible Foods that he has been involved with. Um, Serena Williams is also involved with Impossible Foods. Others have aligned with that cause. So appreciate the shout out there. I would also point out Dead & Company. If, if memory serves, their last tour in 2019 was actually carbon positive. Not mm -hmm. only did they not leave a large carbon footprint everywhere they went, not only did they neutralize their carbon 
offsets or what have you. I believe it was actually a net positive carbon tour. However, one says that correctly. I'm sure I didn't. Um, I don't know if that accounts for the amount of weed that gets smoked by the crowd and what impact that might have. Whether positive, that positive, positive impact, or negative. That's positive <laughs> impact. Just check. Yeah. But okay, people, I just wanted to make sure. people are having a good time. It's that that's worthy. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I, that's what I was thinking. I just I wanted to, uh, to 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 put that out there. Oh, so shifting gears again, you have an interesting motto. Talk to us about giving a fuck responsibly, responsibly, Matt. Don't forget that part. Um, yeah. Tech support, you're fired. There's no message of, uh, it just says giving a fuck ain't easy. That's all I got. Here. It ain't. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, the, 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 I've been, I've been asked a lot about this during the pandemic. Like I said, everybody's trying to start their own charity and I'm sort of been pulled into different directions to give my input, which I'm happy to do because ultimately like, you know, I want folks to be empowered and informed to, to make good decisions. Cause I think, some of the time it just comes out of not knowing. So if, you know, if I can lend, you know, a couple of minutes of my time to, to help you out, to build, put the pieces together, great. So I had to find a concise way to express that. And uh, you can't see it right now, but I have this whiteboard behind me because I have the worst memory ever. I'm, I'm Teflon, like nothing sticks. That's not how I work. I have to understand things and put it into action. It doesn't just like, I'm, I'm like post-its galore. And so that whiteboard is my friend. And one day I was just sitting there over caffeinated and I wrote it out and I was like, oh, what is this? Where's the acronym? Where's the, and then I also don't want it to be some cheesy acronym that doesn't align with the type of person I am because people are like, oh, philanthropy, you must be really nice. And it's like, no, most people don't actually really like me when they meet me. It, it takes some time. I'm an acquired, I'm an acquired taste. I'm a little too blunt and I know that and I pay the price for it and it's all good. But so when I started looking at the words, it came out F-U-C-K. I was like, great. Um, the F is for focus. You, you don't have to solve all the problems. Find your lane and stick to it. You don't need to be the expert in immigration reform and sustainability, like all that stuff. Pick your lane and stay there and be focused. Um, the U stands for understand that it's not easy just because it's charity. So know what you're talking about. Um, and the C is for collaborate. Don't reinvent the wheel and pretend that you're going to solve the world's problems. Like do the research, do the legwork to find out who's doing what and how you can amplify that impact and stop making it about you. Uh, and the K is for keep at it. This is not easy again, and it's not going to solve itself overnight, not even in a year or two. Uh, so you have to be willing to put in the time. So give it a fuck. I think that is fucking brilliant. Let's make a t-shirt. I can't imagine anyone who doesn't doesn't Official. immediately love you, Kimberly. You've been a fantastic guest. I assure you, well, bad news, we pay in hugs and butterflies. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> no hugs. No hugs. Sorry. I'm not, yeah, like, hugs. I'm not, yeah, I'm not a hugger. Not during corona. So butterflies for you, and that's about it. Um, I wasn't a hugger even before corona. Corona <laughs> has yeah. been like, if I'm going to look at the positive side, it's the fact that people are keeping their distance because I'm like, I'm loving that you're far away from me. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, very far indeed. What's that, Kyle? I give you some dap. I don't like to embrace. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, So, 
Before we get you out of here, Kimberly, actually one more question I'd like to ask, and then I'll turn it over to Kyle and Christine to see if they have anything too. But other than you, you're, you're doing some very impressive work. Is there anybody else in the NPO space that you think people should be paying attention to right now? Uh, my friend, Brandon DeRoche, like I said, I think his it's propeller.la. I think his model is badass. I think it's, it's, a, it's technically a for-profit, but again, with that mindful way of operating. So it's taking the nonprofit model to the next level of understanding that just because it's charity doesn't mean that you can't make a, you know, a living wage and, and be able to get by. Um, so I think he's really big on my list as far as like ways to engage and have a platform that meets the expectations and the needs of the organizations that are out there because a lot of charity platforms take so many percentages and cuts here and there that by the end of the day the charity gets so much less than they than you actually think so his model i think works and i'm a huge fan of his work um Aside of aside from that, uh, I, I'm a hermit. I'm I try not to be on social media too much, so I pay attention. But mainly, I, I try to focus on my own backyard because I think that's where it all starts. You know, if there's dog shit all over your yard, you you got work to do. Like you know, it's you really you can't you can't think that you can just reach out and solve everything. So for me, it's focusing a little bit on what I do and how I spend my time. Um, versus like being online all, all day and, and paying attention to everybody else. But I try to have a pulse and, and see the things that organizations are doing. I, for me personally, um, the National Domestic Workers Alliance is something that I, I'm very passionate about because my parents being immigrants and all that stuff, I understand how undervalued the community is. And people talk about, you know, nurses and doctors responding to the pandemic, but forget that these caregivers that are at home that are a lot of immigrants a lot of you know second english is their second language they're the person taking care of that doctor's kids when they go to the hospital to do the job they're the ones that uh, are you know making meals or whatever it might be and they're sort of overlooked so for me it's been uh, a place to focus my time and energy is to see what they're doing and how i can support them in any way um so yeah shout out to the national domestic workers alliance they've been helping you know, provide stipends for people who, you know, nobody wanted to have folks in your home. And so all these people who would normally clean your home and do all these things for you were out of a job. And I think that, you know, farm workers that are still doing their job, even with COVID, even with fires, whatever it might be. So for me, it's an area of interest that I pay attention to. And, and the people that run that organization are, are ones that I, I, pay, I lend my time to as well. So Love it. Well, before we let you go, we always ask our guests a series of quick hits. But before that, MF, any other questions from you today? No, I think we're on the same page because she's like, even if it's charity, you can get your money. So, you <laughs> we know. know that's what's important to you. <laughs> Dallas, what do you got? No, I think it's refreshing. I mean, I very much agree with some of those sentiments. I think there's... Uh... You, you got to start at home and you got to know what you're doing. And it's very challenging working with volunteers and charities and all those amazing things. But it's also because people, you know, it goes back to the getting paid thing. I mean, it's, it's a kind of complicated situation, but, um, you know, we need both sides of the story. I mean, definitely. But, you know, when it comes to the artists, uh, I'm amazed that more of them don't take advantage of the fact that they could really make a difference. You know, there are the few that do, but overall, um, you know, just kind of like this wonderful pandemic. We haven't seen anybody really come out and 
be there for the plight of all of the roadies and all the folks involved in what makes show happens every day. And I think that's been a really sad awakening for many of us. Um, you know, but we could go on. Um, well, let's, let's, it's been now, great to have Kim here. Yes, Kim. Kim has been refreshing. Let's let's not forget the efforts of Jerome Crooks with uh, the TPA. Let's not forget the efforts of the Rody Clinic and of Zach and Heim from Backline. They're definitely people who have stepped up during the pandemic. I yeah, but they're not artists. Know. I mean, respectfully, they're roadies, not okay. artists. Yeah. And, well, if that's, <laughs> that's the, the point, point you know, because it, it takes I, money. That's I, back to the story. It takes money to make things happen. And, she did you say know, it's been left. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Shout out to the artists who are who are still paying retainer. Those, those folks. Who are they? Like, I, I, I know some of those, and and honestly, they're they're badass. Like they're doing it quietly and just being like, hey, we don't know what's going on, but we'll keep. But again, what if they did it loudly? What if they yeah. told you know how? Totally. What a what a concept that would be. You know, I mean, I is that wrong to say? I don't uh, think yeah. so, and I but, think but it's a fair. Fair yeah. argument. It, it taps into to our our industry as a whole in terms of advocacy and being you know being the uh the help versus the such a critical piece so yeah that okay that domestic help thing what? before we get you out of here our quick hits real quick we always ask everyone their first tour it may be lincoln park for you if not please tell us yeah lincoln park i'm, I'm still super green and trying to learn from great people it was lincoln park and that gave me the opportunity to get my feet wet good place to start uh your feet were already wet <laughs> clearly a need for more synchronized swimming and concert touring that is the method that is the outcome and motto and uh what we've learned today but past that a favorite moment you can tell us about. favorite moment Ooh. um so i i had a, a festival incident where i th this plank thing broke I kind of went through it, screwed up my leg, got all these stitches. But before that, I'm laying there and the uh, he's the 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 equipment manager is the only person there. I'm walking over there like gushing blood out of my leg. And I'm like, oh, that sucks. And I'm like, hey, man, can you? And before I even finished my sentence, he ran and like freaked out because there was so much blood. And I'm like holding my leg like, OK. And then the DJ, because this was with Incubus, uh, Kilmore comes out with a stapler because he heard that like my leg had opened up and he's like, we got this. And he came out there with a stapler and then he goes, oh, we don't got this. Like, we, we need to take you to a hospital. Um, and it was to watch all of their inability to deal with a little blood when like I'm the girl on the team. Um, I, out of, you know, 50 plus crew people, I was the only the only woman. And actually, no, that's a lie. We had one other person. And uh, all of them just seeing their true colors in a moment of like just gory mess just went, mm, no, mm, mm. and I'm just holding my leg like someone gets scissors. We got to cut my pants and get like figure out what's going on here. Um, so that was pretty hysterical just to see them all squirm. It just to this day makes me laugh how they all freaked out. Kyle's over here nodding like, no, <laughs> you would have ran too. Damn shame. Hell no, nah, I wouldn't have ran. We'd jump in and fixed it. <laughs> he'd have ran. I don't know. He'd be like, he'd be like wash that shit out. Nah, get this area nah, cleaned nah, up. Nah, I'm not going anywhere near. I mean, in that situation, we glove up and get you right. But you know. I'm trying to picture an artist coming out with a stapler, thinking that's going yeah. to solve a problem. That, that <laughs> concerns me slightly. Yeah, no, Kill definitely thought the stapler was going to be the answer. I was like, mm, several stitches later, 
still still miss. <laughs> I, I think we need to call this band out just a little bit too. Everything that you're doing for them, the fact that they've got you is clearly a testament to them. But two women on a tour party of 50, next time guys, do better. I'm just moving on. Oh yeah, it's gonna change, trust. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm sorry, I just, I, I say it like this. Um, next question, one thing about the industry you'd like to see us doing better moving forward. Pay transparency. Um, stop. You know, it's sort of like we're getting pinned against uh, once against one another without even knowing it. A lot of times, um, I think transparency within pay would would really benefit everybody. Because the last thing I want to do is undercut anyone, um, because I think that's mad disrespectful. Okay, fair enough. And finally, you gave a bunch of shout outs before, but do you have any additional shout outs before we go? Uh, shout out to all the mask wearers and people who have a level of consideration that allows us to possibly move forward and be back on the road and doing the, what we love to do. I like it. I like it. Kimberly, you've been an amazing guest. We appreciate you. We appreciate your efforts. Can't wait to see you on the road real soon. Brother Hamilton, any shout outs from you today? You know what? I'm going to give a shout out to this beautiful day that we have out here in California. Nice, sunny, balanced day. It's actually a good day for the range. I think I might go to the gun range today. Mm. <laughs> Bringing it back. Bringing it back. He's been shying no, away from also it for a couple of months I want to shout out to now. Kimberly because she, she gets what I'm talking about. She understands. She definitely <laughs> does. Hugs and butterflies. Free. <laughs> no, free is not where it's at. Let's, Hugs you know, and it butterflies. keeps you happy. You know, Matt, get on the train. You say... You keep agreeing with her, but you disagree with her in the same breath. Don't, don't, don't go down that road. <laughs> you, you know how this all plays out. It's a bunch of bullshit. I know that's your ace in the hole. You like to talk about me and money. I know how to negotiate, but I know what's right. She fits where we're not. We're not. I I will pay you in hugs and butterflies. (laughs) Dallas, on the other hand, real money. Dallas, what do you got? I don't even know anymore. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Water safety is important. And I think everyone should learn to swim. And, you know, little things like that. And put your children in life jackets when you put them on boats. You know. Okay. I'm going to take a more serious tone with my shout out today. We're, We're coming up on the end of Black History Month. And I read an article in The Guardian today and I saw it referenced in another... Uh, source a few days ago, and I have to complain. Complain. I have to claim total ignorance here. I did not learn about this woman growing up. I do realize that she started getting attention in the early 2000s. My shout out today goes to a woman named Claudette Colvin. And anybody out there who does not know who Claudette Colvin is, please look her up, use the Google. Find out this woman in very basic terms is the original Rosa Parks. This woman played a critical role in history, but wasn't seen as the right candidate to be the face of the civil rights movement at the time. So her story went untold for decades, but she is brilliant. Her story is a profile in courage and we need more of that in the world. So We need that from our leaders. We need that from our audience. 
We need that from our artists. We, I'm, I should have said we need that from all those with a voice and an audience. Most especially, we need that from our arti artists. So that's my message for today. Look up Claudette Colvin, please. Look up Kimberly videos on synchronized swimming. Somebody's got to send us a video of Kimberly synchronized swimming. I want that. Tech support, find it, please. We need more synchronized swimming and concert touring. And, I'm glad uh, you don't have my mom's number. <laughs> and anybody that has Kimberly's number, give us a shout. On that note, we appreciate all our listeners. We've had fun here today. It's been another great one in the can. Thank you for joining us on the bus. Kimberly, shout out to you. We appreciate you very much. We can't wait to hear what incredible things you do on the road. And on that note, thank you again and good night. Hey, this is Tech Support. Want to make sure you never miss the newest from Hustle Like You Broke? Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at HLUB Podcast. And sign up for our mailing list by going to hustlelikeyoubroke.com slash join. You'll get updates about new episodes, bonus content, exclusive offers, and information on how to become a part of the music industry. Thanks for listening.